All right, so we are going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 12. And I do want to prep you ahead of time as we've been going through Romans. We're looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. And as we look at spiritual gifts, we do want to consider that you would use them, including today. Yes, definitely today. One thing that the Lord wants to happen, get this last guitar pick, there we go. One thing that the Lord wants to happen when the church gathers is that we would stir up love and good works. Amen? And we want to be able to do that. Uh, so, heads up. <laughs> as we gather as a church, we don't want to go to church, right? That's like a, a bad terminology in American Christendom. Uh, we want to be the church. Because the church can gather at home. You can go to Arby's across the street, the parking lot, on the sidewalk. The, the church is the people. Amen? Jesus died for the people, not the place. So it's not the building. So as we gather, though, as a church community, we want to be able to encourage one another, love one another. John 13, Jesus said, New commandment I give you, that you love one another. And we need to encourage each other. Hebrews teaches us that when the church gathers for fellowship, we can stir up love and good works. And we see the Lord doing that. So I want to give you a heads up that today, God willing, towards the end, that we can have a time as we look at these spiritual gifts, and especially some of these gifts we're going to look at. Some of you have this gift. Some of you have it. Maybe it's dormant. These gifts, I should say. And we want to put them into practice today. Amen? God willing. God willing for you, if you're... Uh, willing to, we want to be able to uh, have that time. So, time for prayer and encouragement at the end. Okay? So, Romans chapter 12, we're going to start by reading from verse 6. Please stand with me if you are able to. Again, we're continuing to look at, slowly going through this, this mini-series within the Romans series, a series on spiritual gifts. We're looking at different gifts. But Romans chapter 12, we're going to pick up at verse 6. It says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. It says, If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. Verse 8 says, He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So Father in heaven, we ask, can you please open up our understanding of these things within your holy word. And Lord, we ask that these gifts, some of these gifts you've given to some of the people here. Lord, we pray that you would empower each of us, that whether it's these gifts we'll look at today or other ones that are found elsewhere in the scriptures, we pray that you would help us to exercise these giftings, to put these things into practice, to even speaking about them in an earthly sort of way, open up that gift, use it. But we need your empowerment, Lord. We need your 
encouragement. We need your faith that you can give to us. Give us boldness too, Lord. Prepare us that we can encourage each other even today. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat. So there are many of us who desire for God to use our lives, right? Every born-again Christian typically has that as some sort of prayer, some sort of action. God, use my life. Is that any of you? God, use my life. But the reality is, the truth is, in order for God to use your life, you simply need to use what God has enabled you with. And that becomes a challenge. Because that means my pride, our pride has to die. It's not what I could bring to God, it's what He empowers me with. And hopefully some of that makes sense to you and I. So even as we part the pages of Scripture and we go through this book that we call Romans, by the time we come here to chapter 12, we realize already, hey, I get saved because of Christ, not because of myself, right? I get saved because of who He is. I am justified in God's sight, and it's justified, never sinned. And yet, Christ Jesus, who never sinned, took my place. He took the punishment for you and me as he died upon the cross. He got the torture of the Roman whip. Have you seen, God, you guys ever seen that movie, Passion of the Christ? Who, who's seen that movie? That's hard to get through. Okay, has anybody seen that movie and not cried? It was tough. Every time I watch it, I got to prep myself every time I want to watch that. It's like, okay, am I ready for this? Because I'm not going to be good for anything. Some people can't drive after watching that movie. But to see what Jesus did for you and me, that's a cold dose of reality, right? And I realize now that he's saved me, and now even as we come to chapter 12, there is nothing good in us. The only thing good in us really is what he implants, what he imparts, what he gives to you and me. That is himself, and along with him living within us as born-again spiritual Christians, also comes this really special, unique gifting. And one of the terms for spiritual gifts is gifts of grace. Ah, who here is blessed just to hear that they're gifts of grace? Any of you guys blessed? Gifts of grace. So God wants to grace you with these gifts of grace. In fact, for many, if not all of you that have been prayed for, if you asked him, you've already been given these things. But again, to have God really use your life, you simply need to use what God has enabled you with. And so, if you're like me, me, I, my background, I was this computer tech guy in Orange County, California. I thought I had a lot to offer God. And now, this might not be your story. This was my story. And I was steeped in my pride, and that's sin. I thought, okay, look at all this I could offer. I'm going to go in, and I could set up a computer network and set it up globally. I mean, that was my thought. And that's what I did for a large company in Orange County, California, working for the, the largest employer. There was 5,000 employees, and we call it a campus. There were 10 buildings, some of them huge buildings, full of engineers, many of them people with doctorates. And I was one of the tech guys. And we worked at the corporate center. There were 50 locations worldwide. The largest employer in Orange County, California. And as a computer geek, I won the biggest network. Why? Because when you're doing break-fix, t- troubleshooting scenarios, 
you're here in California. Maybe, I was I was in California at that time. Maybe troubleshooting somewhere, something in Israel. You'd have to jettison in from abroad. Today, that's like commonplace. But back then, I remember it was, you wouldn't see or hear of that technology that much. We're talking the 1990s. And so for me, when the Lord was calling me to step out, and we looked at Ephesians 2, verse 10 earlier in our servants meeting. You're created in Christ Jesus for, for what, servants? For good works. I thought, okay, I'm going to be a computer guy for Christ. And I thought I had a lot to offer, a lot to bring to the table. God could perhaps utilize who you are, what you did in the world, but it seems like many times that may not be the case. I remember Paul the Apostle, the only highly educated apostle of the Twelve Apostles, he wasn't called to minister to the Pharisees and others. He was called to be the apostle to who? To the Gentiles. These people that are worshiping rocks and statues. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Burning their babies to Moloch. And then someone that was a country bumpkin, like Simon Peter from up north in Galilee, who talked with a country accent, comes to the big city. It's like us going to Manhattan. He goes to the big city, which is Jerusalem at that time, and he's called to be the apostle to who? To the Jews. So you might be like how I was. Maybe you're better off than I was. (laughs) I'm not sure. Probably most of you guys were. I only know my own sin I had to deal with with the Lord and stuff I had to confess and repent from. But maybe you were like how I was, where I thought, okay, I got something to offer. And then when God was telling me, no, I don't want you to do that. He, he wanted me to teach this. I thought, well, no way. I'll do anything but speak on behalf of God. I was afraid of public speaking. All right. Who here hates public speaking or is afraid of it? Well, God might call you to that. <laughs> and when he does, if he does, he will do it through his grace, his strength. I'm a living example of that. I even took a speech class. <laughs> Spe- One of the things they don't teach you in speech class is that you got to bring a, at that time it was a VHS tape. I'm like, why do you got to bring this? Because we're going to record you on video? You're kidding. I, I thought, I sound like Charlie Brown. Like, There's no way. I was so afraid of it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to face my fears and I'm going to take public speaking as a, a class. And I actually did that one. I'm like, ooh, that was murder. You also, I think if my memory is correct, you have to bring a cassette tape on dating myself. Who remembers cassette tapes? (laughs) And they would record the audio, but then they would do video. And I'm like, wow, that was horrible. Like you put it in, I don't want to look at myself. But God was calling me to do something that he would enable me to do. I wasn't able. Look at the terminology. He would enable me to do that. And I'm here standing by the grace of God as living proof that he could do that with someone. Now keep in mind, I would do that as a DJ in the world. I did that. I did, was really good at that growing up in Orange County, California. And I could speak when it com- came to uh, computer technology because I was at the top of my game. You're sitting there, you're talking about something, the executives and the, like, ah. Oh. You throw all these acronyms and terminology like, what is that? I don't know, but it sounds brilliant. <laughs> and you could speak about this kind of stuff and no one could question you at that time. So I was able to, to teach even in groups and speak about computer technology. 
But when it came to speak on behalf of God and doing something with spiritual rewards or spiritual benefit and something that came with spiritual warfare too, amen, that I was not able to do. So what I'm getting at is in order for God to truly use your life, you and I must use what God enables you with. And thus we come to this thing called spiritual gifts. Look at this now in verse 8. I just want you to understand this, that some of you have this gift. Maybe many of you do. I personally know some of you do have this in this room. It says, he who exhorts in exhortation. So while the Christian says, God use my life, God says as a Christian, use my gifts and power. Use my life, God. God might say to you, use my gifts and power. So when it comes to this gift, and this is the one I want to mostly focus on today, because I want you to personalize this passage for yourself. Some of you have this gift. Some of you know you have this gift. Some of you don't know you have this gift, and you have this gift. And some of you, quite frankly, you're like how I was. You know you got this gift, but you're freaked out to use it. Is that any of you? You know you got a gifting, but it's like, God, maybe I'm like Drew. I know you've gifted me. I know you've empowered me. I know you've got a calling for my life. Ephesians 2, verse 10. We're created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. But God, I don't want to speak. Exhortation, I've got to speak to people. I've got to be in front of people. It's not just a Facebook post. It's not just a video. It's... I gotta be there with the people, just like you. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You left heaven to be with us, and now through us, you want to help others to know that you are with other people as well. Oh man, that means I gotta show up so that you could show up through me. And this is a gifting that some of you guys have. And dare I say at this junction, can we just pray for one another that maybe this gift perhaps some of the others we look at today, that you and I can simply see that at work today. And if you want to see that at work today, I want to. Here's something that might encourage your heart. Who here wants to be encouraged today? If you want to be encouraged today, lift up your hand and keep it up and look around the room. Christian, whether or not you have the gift of encouragement, you've got your ministry right here. Amen? Encourage one another. Here's what it says again in verse 8. I have it here on the display. I put it in the highlights here in red. He who exhorts an exhortation. So we're looking at this as a gift, often called the gift of exhortation. And exhortation basically means encouragement. You are called by God to encourage one another. Hey, when the Christian body assembles... When we assemble with one another, as we're exhorted to do in the book of Hebrews, we're to exhort one another, encourage each other. Yes, you can't really do that unless you assemble. Make sense? And as you do assemble and encourage one another, you can also stir up what? In Hebrews it mentions, stir up love and good works. I want people to stir that up in me. Maybe you're thinking like that. But can you allow others to stir that up within you? 
that as we gather, these things can be stirred up. So I wanted to show you, I just dug this out of my Bible study software, and it's displayed here on this screen, the word for exhortation, paraklesis. Uh, I highlighted here, circled in red, some of the definitions, which are lovely. These are synonyms. A calling near, especially for help, it says. Look at verse 3. Exhortation, sometimes it's an admonition. Admonition is to warn of a fault. How many parents are here? Okay. God's the Heavenly Father, Heavenly Parent. So sometimes not just your own children, sometimes the gift of exhortation is used. Actually, many times it's used. That through you, the Father can admonish, can exhort to warn that person of a fault. And He's going to do that through your heart, your mouth, your words. But how many of you are just scared to do that because you don't want to confront someone. Let's be honest. I get scared of that. You know what the Lord does? He is relentless, man. <laughs> like, you do it. <laughs> what? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, you did. You're born again. It's not a pastor thing. It's not a, oh, I have to have that gift. That's not my gift. I give it to her. You're the exhorter. You do this. Hey, this so-and-so? Yes. God's really breaking my heart that someone needs to be rebuked. You give them a call, okay? So guess what? Because God might be breaking your heart for someone, guess who the Father is trying to get to speak on His behalf? You! That's why your heart's breaking. Maybe you're using this gift because you want to come near and console someone. Look at this in the bottom portion here. Or this is from the New American Standard Dictionary. Periclesis, a calling to one's aid. Sometimes exhortation is used in a very gentle way. Hey, I often think of how I might speak to my, my little baby girl, Christina. She's 11, but she's still my baby girl. I, I asked her the other day, can I still call you princess? Yeah. Do you still like when daddy calls you princess? Yeah. Like, good, because I'm going to call you that anyways. And so I realize how God breaks my heart, right? When you're a dad with a little daughter. He's, well, the way you speak to your little daughter is different from the way you speak to your little son. But the Lord reminds me that sometimes he might want me to speak to someone like how I speak to my Christina, just very gentle, very tender. Now, it's not always like that, but I realize that even as God might utilize that gift, even in my life, and it's not like I could just flip the switch and go, oh, okay, I need to be like this and that. It's the Spirit of God who, by the way, these these words in Greek, these are ways that describe also the Holy Spirit and His job. He's one that comes to someone's aid. He comes alongside someone. And through you, as He lives within you, His Spirit fills you and wants to work through you like living water. He wants you to come alongside someone else. Why? Because they can't see God. And they can't hear from God. And they don't know of God. They, don't, they need a taste of His love, His grace, His mercy. And He wants to show them that through who? Through you. So a lot of times it's going to break your heart to come alongside that person. You might have that, somewhat call it unctioning. You might discern that He's wanting you to simply come alongside someone because you realize they need a word of encouragement. And as you're contemplating these things, as you hear these things spoken out, you might realize, God, have you given me that gift? Because I see that all around me. Any of you guys realize that? 
especially in New York. You, you see a lot of flesh. You hear like a lot of hurt, broken-hearted people. Is that any of you where you realize, man, I just need to come alongside someone. Sometimes they just need a buddy, a friend, maybe just a hug, someone to remind them you're not going to go through it alone. So this gift, as I noted here on the display, it's a form of encouragement or even comfort. Think of that word comfort. Second Corinthians 1 mentions God is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. And also Jesus teaches us in John's Gospel that the Holy Spirit, he's also told to be the comforter. Think of just like your most comfortable blanket, like a comforter. Oh. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is not going to comfort you like that. He removes his comfort when you're out of his will and what's he going to give you? Discomfort, right? Any of, any of you guys experience that? Okay. And so sometimes he's going to use you to stir up someone. It's not that you would just encourage or comfort someone. That's okay, you're in sin. Stay that way. No, that's never how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit, God himself, if he's given you this gift, He's going to basically use you to encourage people to obey Jesus Christ. Make sense? Okay, so if you see someone in sin and they're hurting, why? It's because, well, sin is bad. It's going to hurt you. It's not that they're to comfort someone. By the way, you might undo something. We've got to be careful. We might undo something that the Holy Spirit had done. Does that make sense? So we have to be sensitive to that fact. God might allow someone through his principles of sin and righteousness, someone keeps sinning and all of a sudden, boom, they're running at 100 miles per hour, running through all the red lights and the stop signs, and there's a brick wall ahead. Sometimes people got to smack into that wall. That's happened to me. Has that happened to you guys? That's happened to me a bunch of times. And we got to be careful because as we're in that broken state, now God's like, okay, are you ready to stop running? And we might come along and try to encourage them, thinking, okay, I'm the encourager. Let me just encourage them. But encourage them to repent and turn to God. That's what the Spirit of God's wanting to you to do if you've been given this gift. To obey Jesus Christ by obeying His Word. So the author of the Scriptures, according to Hebrews, is who? The Spirit of God. God Himself. He's going to use you. And remember, the Scriptures are told to be the sword of the spirit it's his weapon of choice so if god's given you this gift and christian i'm speaking to someone here because i know a bunch of you guys have been given this gift i would love to see you guys simply encourage and comfort others i need that we need that this this church we need a lot of that again who here wants to be encouraged today we all want encouragement hey, by the way there's no gift of discouragement Praise God, right? <laughs> There's a gift of <laughs> encouragement. Some of you guys like that. <laughs> okay, so basically exhortation is encouragement. It's also known as the gift of encouragement. And this Greek word can also mean to comfort. So one way you'll know that God has perhaps given you this is because your heart's going to break when you see someone that's hurting because of sin. Or maybe they're struggling and they simply need someone to, remember, come alongside a sister can be with another sister, brother with another brother. Hey, that's okay. Let me help you. I just did that with a brother the other day. You're not in this alone. 
You're not going through this alone. I'm going to make sure you're not going through this alone. And sometimes that's all someone needs to hear. I'll help you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray with you. If you want someone to fast and pray, let's do this together so that you can walk with Jesus because he wants you to make him the Lord of his life. And not tell someone, no, that's okay. Just think about it for a couple years and maybe you'll want to repent. That's not the gift of exhortation. So you're calling someone to basically obey the Lord. Now, how is it used? Turn in your Bibles. Keep your hands here. Turn to the left. Go to the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 4. This is known as one of the best examples of encouragement. Acts chapter 4. If you're in Romans, turn to the left. Make a left turn. Go to Acts chapter 4. Go to verse 36. Yep, Acts 4, verse 36. So one of the best examples of exhortation is seen with this guy named Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was such an encourager that it sort of personified who he was. And that leads to a point that I believe the Lord's wanting us to learn about. And it's this, that when you are fully embracing this enabling that God has given you, and you utilize it, Others are going to know you sort of personified as a certain gift. They're going to see it. And look how God's telling us about this guy, Barnabas. Look at this in verse 36. You could read the whole chapter and really the whole book later on to get more context. But Acts 4 verse 36, it says, And Joseph, who was also named what? Barnabas. The names, they have nothing to do with each other. Not like a nickname, like, like my name on birth certificate. Andrew, right? And so I grew up, my friends called me Drew. Or, you know how that is. Like you, you have your formal name and then something as a diminutive a lot of times. But it's not even related. Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles. Notice who named him that, who nicknamed him that, the apostles. And it says, which is translated son of encouragement. Bar means son. Son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Now you could read the context later on. But this guy, Barnabas, that wasn't his name. That was his nickname. I imagine him as the apostles saw him. Now the apostles were empowered by the Lord. They saw how God used people. Obviously they saw Jesus and walked with him and saw the empowerment in their own lives and were empowered and enabled by the Lord to be able to detect these spiritual things. I'd imagine them seeing this guy Barnabas and going, man, this guy, every time someone's down, this guy wants to encourage them in the ways of Jesus. Every time I'm bummed out or need a a hug or whatever, this guy's always like picking me up. And he's not a teacher. He's not seen as this or that. It sort of personified who he was that they actually nicknamed this guy Barnabas, son of encouragement. I imagine them getting together. Maybe they have their own apostle type of meetings. Just kind of imagining this in my mind. It's like, hmm, we want to go and do this because we think the Lord's asking us to do this. I know, let's go get Barnabas, man. <laughs> he can be there to pray for us, encourage us. He'll go with us. He was such an encourager. They actually nicknamed him Son of Encouragement. So it leads us to this point that for many of us, the spiritual gifting becomes how you and I might see things 
and how you might respond to situations. And, and here's what I'm getting at. Uh, and by the way, uh, anyhow, on our timing, we'll just keep going. We'll just keep going. You might see a certain way and respond to people or situations through your gifting. That's extremely important for you to know. Because many of us have that question, God, what are my spiritual gifts? Or as we learn a spiritual gift, God, is that a spiritual gift you've given me? How can I know? Well, here's one way that you can find out. Is that when you see a situation happen, and there's a bunch of us in the room, the Christian that's the encourager might be compelled. They may not act upon it, but they might be compelled to, like Barnabas, come and encourage. Come alongside that person. The person that's given that gift of mercy is like, oh, that's okay. You might see mercy just flow through them. That's okay. Oh, let me pray for you. Oh, let me stay with you in the hospital. The exhorter might be like, all right, you stay in the hospital. Let me pray for you encourage you. I'll come visit you. But as soon as you get home, we'll continue on with your journey with Jesus. The person with the gift of mercy, they're always wanting to be in the hospital, perhaps. Always being with them. Oh, let me just show you mercy. You need mercy, mercy, mercy. Which is synonymous with compassion. The person with the gift of giving. It mentions giving here. We'll look at. That person might look at that individual like, oh, okay, oh, wow, you lost this much. Uh, that's okay. I'll take care of that for you. They just have this overwhelming abundance of perhaps compassion it's like they want to give even you know out of their own means but even if it's going to be self-sacrificial it's a gift we're all called to give ultimately Jesus is the ultimate giver amen he gave of his life and we're all called to give in various ways so we can't sit there and go oh no 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 you're hurting no I can't help you I don't have the gift of giving she does and go ask her I have the gift of taking there is no gift of taking just like there's no gift of discouragement so you might see certain things through this in fact as you grow and mature as a Christian you might gather with other Christians who you realize as we all mature with one another we're going to see things differently Uh, I've learned through pastoral ministry and just the gifting and enabling that God's given that he's going to give someone that's called the pastoral ministry, an uncanny way to see the scriptures of how it might be applied in someone's life for spiritual growth and maturity. And I'm always drilling at that. I, I see that with, pray for my wife. <laughs> like I'm always drilling that in with her. Like I'm called to disciple you. I'll tell her directly. No, I'm called to disciple you. As well as with my kids. It's just a, a thing that I'm, I'm constantly compelled with. Someone that's called maybe to the worship ministry or a prayer ministry, as we gather and as Christians mature with one another, they'll sit there and they see things through their own perspective. It's not that they're right and everybody's wrong, but the person that's called, say, to a prayer ministry, maybe gifted with exhortation, word of knowledge, uh, etc., they they may see the world and go, including the church, and think, why aren't you guys praying? Everybody should be praying. we got to be fasting and praying. No, 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 Bible study is good, but it's not the best. It's all about prayer. The person that's the, the teacher, especially the pastor teacher, would be like, no, 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 we have to have Bible teaching that will inform everything else, etc. 
And they'll be like, why aren't people reading the Bible? Why aren't they applying the Bible? The person that's called to, again, like worship ministry, they may be like, everybody should be worshiping. Well, if we listen to every part of the body and they all came with their perspectives and as you and I grow and mature and if each person, if we just run to this opinion, run to that opinion, guess what will happen? It'd be like the proverbial chicken with its head cut off, right? We'll be just running around. It's a thing of the flesh. So we have to realize and give space and grace to one another that as you grow and as you mature in your spiritual gifting, it's as if you get a different set of prescription glasses. And you don't so much have to pray for it, you just are given that gifting and then you're able to see into someone's life. So the encourager might sit there and go, why isn't everybody you know, getting up and getting busy for God? Why isn't everybody serving God? You need to serve Him now. The Billy Graham type of exhorter or Raul Reese, you might hear him now still on the radio. It's like, Everybody needs to be saved. You need to be saved now. You die now, you go to hell. You you need to, don't, no, don't go sleep on it. You, nobody knows what tomorrow brings. And they're going to exhort that way. And they're going to realize, why isn't everybody like this? The prayer warrior is like, why isn't everybody praying? The worshiper is like, why, why isn't everybody worshiping? The someone that's gifted through teaching God's word, and pa- especially pastoral, that's the lens to which I see. It's like, why isn't everybody reading the Bible? Why isn't everybody playing the Bible? Why isn't everybody maturing? And I'll be stirred on to the end. If I'm not careful, it could get me frustrated and bitter. Does that make sense? And I've realized this through talking with and counseling with other Christians on both coasts about similar things. Is I would talk to people who just like, we need to fast and pray. <laughs> and as we would help that person to grow and mature. And as they did, like, you guys got it all wrong. <laughs> we need to do this. We need to do that. I went to a very missions-oriented church. Where sometimes people are like, we gotta be about missions. Remember he said go, Mark 16, go. <laughs> Very action oriented people will be like that. And we had to help them to realize it may be that you're sensing that, as we call that unctioning of the spirit, because that's what God is saying to you. Cause he's trying to get you to go. And you're seeing it, but others don't have that same, let's say, prescription. Does that make sense? If I could use that terminology, that metaphor, the illustration. So as we learn these gifts, let's please understand that for some people, like a Barnabas, you're going to be all about that. And I need to be like how, we need to be like how the apostles were and go, no, 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 that gal, that guy, that kind of personifies how they are. They're a Barnabas. They're, a, they're just an encourager. That's great. But we need to identify that within the body of Christ that I could be who I am in Christ and I can give space and grace for who you are in Christ. And as we grow, we need to understand that. Does that make sense? Or else what we're not going to do is we're not going to mature. We'll be in our own little silos and we're going to set up our own sort of churches and denominations and go, okay, everything's about prayer. Everything's about worship. Everything's about Bible study. Everything's about this and that. Not knowing that it might be that the Spirit of God gave that person or those people a certain gifting and they're able to see that. They're able to respond in certain ways. So remember when Paul the Apostle came after spending time being discipled one-on-one by the Lord. He came to Jerusalem. He came to the leadership, to the other apostles. And they're all kind of what? Accepting him or freaking out? They're all kind of freaking out, aren't they? Why? Because that's the dude that was killing us. That's like, imagine if we're living in the 40s or 50s, the, the time of, let's say, 
World War II. And we're, we're fellowshipping here, learning the word, singing about Jesus, talking to him. And all of a sudden, Adolf Hitler comes walking through the door and comes sitting down here. <laughs> we got Jews and Gentiles here. And imagine if he just goes, brothers, sisters, <laughs> let's embrace each other. How many of you would invite him because of your gift of hospitality? You invite him home to spend time with your family. You'd be like, yeah, you can come to our home. You can come to her home. <laughs> you can go to his home. So Paul the Apostle, he was the radical Christian killer of the time. And he wasn't being accepted. And praise God that he had someone stand in the gap who was able to speak on behalf of Paul, on his defense. He wasn't an attorney, but spoke on his behalf to the other apostles and told them the testimony of, hey, this is the guy that, yes, it was killing Christians, but you got to see what I saw and how I saw the Lord use his life. And this guy Barnabas was able to give such a remarkable testimony that someone like the Apostle Paul, I'm paraphrasing the whole story, obviously, but the Apostle Paul was accepted by the other apostles. Still others would probably be like, no, man, that's the dude that he comes to town, you run, you hide, you pretend you're, you're still very Jewish. <laughs> you don't go and follow that guy. And if he comes in, you know, I've been hearing rumors, if he comes in, he pretends to be a believer, a follower of the way of Yeshua. It's like, nah, don't take it, he's, he's a fake. That's how people took him. So this guy Barnabas came and started encouraging others and spoke on behalf of Paul. We wouldn't have these writings, these 13 letters that Paul the Apostle wrote if it were not for, yes, you could say God overall, God's plan. But God used a pivotal person that was rightly chosen for that moment. And who was it? This guy that the church nicknamed Barnabas, son of encouragement. So perhaps you need that in your life where God's going to have you either receive encouragement or have someone receive your encouragement, where you could stand in the gap like a Barnabas. And again, I, I believe there's many of us here that have that gifting. Let's go back to Romans 12, and we're going to have a time to close here in just a moment. So Susan, guys, if we can get set up to end with worship in a bit could we <laughs> yes or David Berkowitz my wife just reminded me of David Berkowitz uh, any of you guys hear the son of Sam murderer the ex son of Sam murderer we met him I took Susan I used to work for American Bible Society uh, we worked with him and I took Joshua Joshua you don't remember you were a baby I took you in twice to see David Berkowitz, uh, New York State's most, um, how do we say? Well, <laughs> yeah, he was known as that. He, yeah, he's serving five lifetime sentences. Lifetime sentences is 25 years. He knows he's you know, most likely not getting out. Uh, he feels remorse. He knows he can't change those things. But he's a true brother in Christ. And just like Paul the Apostle, and I'm sure he needs others to stand in the gap. Uh, we, we did the first, to the best of my knowledge, the first in length 
Bible documentary of the Bible behind bars in David Berkowitz's life. Uh, it was, we took video cameras in there, um, cameras, men's maximum security prison in upstate, and uh, were able to document and, and share with others. Donors and others wanted to hear, like, really, this guy gets saved? And others that are incarcerated, men, women, children. Uh, and his testimony is we had him write up a page, and I don't know how that we got it done because publishers don't like you messing with the copyright, but we put it on the, the inside cover, like right the first page you see as you open the Bible, <laughs> where we have David Berkowitz's letter, basically saying if God could forgive me and save me, he could do that with you. And it's just remarkable what God did through his life. But he's a, a modern-day Paul the Apostle sort of guy, where he's killing Christians. There's still a large part of, of people in the body of Christ are like, nah, God can't save that guy. Yeah, he can. can save murderers. He's no longer doing that. He no longer identifies with that. He's now changed. But can God do that with someone? And can God use you where you could perhaps stand in the gap like a Barnabas to encourage someone else? So as we close with some more worship, I'm going to close with prayer first. And then... I'm gonna. I'm not gonna ask you guys to come up. I'm gonna ask you guys to be the body of Christ here. Can we do that? Are we almost ready? All right. Okay, you let me know when. Um, so I'm gonna close with a word of prayer, and I'm gonna ask that if you want prayer, for you to simply stand or raise your hand. And it's okay to move the chairs around and get them messy. That's okay. We're just going to set them back up again. Don't worry about that. I'm more concerned that God could utilize these gifts. Maybe you've got a gift of encouragement. Someone needs to hear a good word of encouragement from you. Maybe some of you guys are called to prayer. We're all called to love one another. Amen. And again, we're not going to church. We're being the church. So let's continue to just be the church. And maybe God's given you some of these gifts. Again, verse 8 mentions exhortation, giving, you to give with liberality, leading, lead with diligence, showing mercy, show mercy with cheerfulness. All right, I'm going to pray to end us for this time, the teaching time, but we're simply going to pray for one another during our time of worship. You can sing and worship. But if you want prayer, for whatever it is, maybe you need encouragement, whatever they, uh, your prayer request is, just stand where you are, raise your hands, and then for the rest of us, we'll gather around that person or those people, and then just keep praying. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. And Lord God, we ask that you please would help us, again, to, to not have the mentality of going to church, like it's just an event but that we would be the church. That we would pray, Father, even now, that you would empower us as your children by your Spirit. And some of us have been given that gift of encouragement that we could simply encourage one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching as you teach us in Hebrews. God, help us to encourage each other, to love one another, to show mercy to one another, to forgive each other, 
Today's the day where we could practice these things. Lord, we saw them with you. You exemplified these things to us. We've received your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your compassion. And now you want us to simply pour that out to one another. But please empower us that we can do that. For we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.